Hey guys, just to let you know, this particular episode of Conversations About Dot 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 is going to be part of the NSC Roadshow. Here's an opportunity to get to hear about some awesome Kickstarters, writers, artists, and inkers and different things like that, different people who are involved in creating their own Kickstarter campaigns. You can join up on these campaigns. You can go support these campaigns. And all you have to do is go to www.inkedmarketing in order to find out more about these wonderful Kickstarter projects as they go. Thank you for joining us. Let's get ready for the show. The show starts in five, four, three, two, one, go. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations about dot, dot, dot. My name is Will. And I get the honor and the privilege to talk to a kickstarting a Kickstarter who's not only kickstarting something, but when I started reading some of the stuff about the inspirations, like he talked about Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia and Stardust. I'm just sitting there going like, oh wow, this is gonna be good. Like there's some of the inspirations behind the work is really cool. So uh, we have Jack Holder who is doing an awesome Kickstarter and it's called Legend of the Re- Legends of the Realms. I want to make sure I get the title right. Legends of the Realms, the fl- number one, the floated dream. And this is a new adventure that is part of a series he's been working on where a mage named, and if I get this wrong, please forgive me, Cameridian? That's correct. Okay, finds the city in the clouds, but is this a dream or a nightmare? Legends of the Realm continues. So we continue a story that's already been going. The first thing I want to do, Jack, say hello to the people. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jack Holder. Uh, Will, thank you so much uh, for having me on. It is a real honor to be here. Uh, thank you. It's an honor to talk to you. I love talking to other creative people. I love getting in, picking their brains and kind of talking to them about stuff. We were talking before we started re- officially recording about uh, his editor, who's a buddy of mine, John Robinson and uh, different things, we got to talking. So you had a story about meeting him. Absolutely. So I had heard of John Robinson before because as you know, John's already blown up a little bit on Kickstarter as well uh, with his own book, Scorpio. And uh, my wife's actually from uh, Georgia and we went down there for a convention and I actually got a chance to sit and chat with John, geek out about his books. He got to check out a, a bit of mine. Uh, when we were doing the first like launch point for Legends of the Realm, uh, we were putting together all the pages. I was really excited, so I sent them over to John. Just you know how it is, geeking out about your own pages. Right. And he's like, "Could I see the script?" And I'm like, "So yeah, I'll send you the script." And he's like you have an editor for this. So I'm like, okay, I admit that I don't have an editor. He's like, can I be your editor? And I'm like, okay, this is the first time I've ever had anyone asked to be an editor, please. Yes. Thank you. you He's been absolutely integral. Uh, An editor is worth their (laughs) worth so much just uh, being able to have someone, especially who knows, being a comics writer yeah, can actually be like, hey, uh, you need to figure out and simplify this a little bit more. Or like when you get the pages and you're looking at them as a writer, you're like, it's not wordy enough. He can be like, you're an idiot. Shut up. Comics are not about how many words are on the page. <laughs> right. Each, bu- each uh, speech bubble doesn't have a word count meter to go with it. Yep. Uh, so first thing we always do on conversations about dot, 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 we like to get to know the person behind the thing. So we always tell people there's an origin story. Not everybody wakes up one day and they're in the Shire and they're sitting there waiting on their friend <laughs> to come show up so they could do the festival. And then at the same time, not everybody goes into a, a uh, magical closet and all of a sudden there's a whole other world on the other side of that closet that they spend a lifetime in. So, but everybody has an origin story. So I want to hear yours. I want you to tell us about where you grew up, different things like that, anything you geeked out to as a kid, anything you geek out to even now. 
and kind of take us from point A to how you started this process of creating this world that you created. Oh, geez. Uh, so the basic info for me is uh, I've been in uh, New England almost 30 years. Uh, was born in Wisconsin, lived just outside of Boston. Uh, both of my parents uh, have ancestry back to the Mayflower. I'm that brand of white. Uh, and uh, I've my love of fantasy comics and uh, my writing career, I uh, doing Legends of the Realm, I've had to talk about my origin story a little bit more. And I stumbled across this with my own origin story. Uh, the chapters of my writing career can really be summed up by getting really invested in really bad things, like not terrible, uh, repugnant things, just really bad. Uh, I've always been a fantasy nut. Uh, Narnia, uh, I grew up on that, Stardust with Neil Gaiman. Uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman was one of the first comics I really read in high school. But in middle school, the thing that really got me in, interested in doing fantasy writing uh, was Aragon by Christopher Paolini. Mm -hmm. Reading that as a 13-year-old kid, uh, you're like, wow, this guy's 19 years old, and he's got a tome this big, and it's published, and it's out there. It's not impossible to do that. And now I look back at that almost 20 years later going, Aragon really wasn't that great but it was a great starting point. Yep. Same thing for me uh, getting into comics. I read comics. I wasn't interested in writing comics until my senior year of college. Uh, I got a bachelor's of arts in English and one of my best friends at college, her name uh, is Violet. She was like, hey, you need to come with me to the comic shop uh, because uh, this amazing artist, Rebecca Isaacs, uh, is launching like the new Angel and Faith series. Uh, and she's doing a signing. You need to come with me. And I'm like, okay, it's like 10 minutes away. Let's go to the comic shop. And just, I love the aura of a comic shop, uh, almost more than a bookstore at times, because mm -hmm. it seems a lot more warm and inviting and let's celebrate books. Uh, whereas at bookstores now it's become a little bit more, okay, pick up your book and get it moving. You don't really do that unless you get into really indie bookstores. Yeah. So I'm talking with Isaacs, geeking out, get two copies signed. And I'm like, you know, I really want to read some more comics. And th uh, this was actually uh, late uh, 2011. Uh, and if people don't know the timeline, that's right when DC Comics was completely rebooting their line with the new 52. Mm -hmm. All really uh, good invested mainstream comics fans will be like, you got reinvested into comics by the new 52. And I'm like, yes, because there were some truly horrendous books in there. There were some truly great books in there. But the important thing with the New 52 was it was a perfect on-ramp to get really invested in comics. It helped me foster this love and uh, just being able to blend them together. A few years later, I started writing about this mage named Cam Ridian and what he would try to do to be a good person. I wrote that script uh, literally within the first year of uh, dating who would become my wife. Uh, and I put it away because I didn't know how uh, I would actually approach this. Uh, you know how this is. There are projects sometimes that you're like, I'm not ready uh, as a writer. I'm not ready as a marketer to really get this out there. Uh, my wife helped uh, get me inspired to go back to school to get a master's in divinity uh, from Boston University School of Theology, specializing in church and the arts. So like, I hate money. Okay. But 
as that's going on, I'm still writing fantasy. I'm, I'm still getting into comics more and more. And uh, I met my artist, Evan Scale, uh, while we were doing uh, short story uh, collections. Then we started doing anthology pieces and I sent him Legends of the Realm, uh, that first script. And he's like, I love this. I gave him several other ideas. He's like, no, I want this. And we did that first launch point, which we call like a graphic novella, Legends of the Realm Torn Soul. Okay. Uh, ended up raising over $8,000 on Kickstarter. And it was the launch point for the Legends of the Realm series. Okay. That sounds really interesting. It sounds like you got a lot of moving parts to get you from here to there. Now, you mentioned your friend that took you to the comic book store. Is, has she been able to be involved in the project in any way herself? Not really. Uh, like, Violin and I were involved in uh, some uh, projects back in uh, college. Uh, she went uh, one way, I went another, uh, but she's also one of the greatest persons uh, I've ever known. And gotcha happy that uh, she was there in that particular point of life. Gotcha. Okay. And so let's talk a little bit more about this particular story that you've put out there into the world now, because that's what we're mainly talking about. We're, we've, we've kind of gotten the platform started to where we built to now where we are. So let's talk a little bit about the current story that's on Kickstarter. Like, how did we, how did we kind of go from, without giving the spoilers, I don't want to spoil stuff. But I want you to just talk a little bit about how you kind of got to, hey, I've told this part of the story. Let's take it another step up and let's go to another level with it. Absolutely. So uh, with the floated dream, uh, we, we knew that our graphic novella was really just the launch point for this series. And it was really giving like an overarching view of Cameridian's life. Now we're really getting into uh, the nitty gritty of being a court mage, being uh, someone in this world. Uh, if you've always read epic fantasy like I have, and you want expansive worlds, uh, diverse uh, races and creatures, fantastic explorations of magic, this is where you want to go. Uh, the Floated Dream is the be uh, beginning of a six-issue arc uh, where Cameridian's going to walk the length and breadth of the kingdom that he's just been appointed court mage for, uh, the Kingdom of Danisfire. Now, there's never been a mage in charge of Danisfire. Definitely not getting into spoilers on this one, but it's a pretty insular uh, kingdom that's really had more uh, been influenced by Druidic uh, influences, much more natural, much more uh, easygoing without getting really heavy into magic. But this new king, Marcus Karen, is like, you know what? Cameridian seems to know what he's doing. And to prove that, he's going to give me a new miracle and we're going to uh, show each other what the kingdom is like. So each of the first five issues is almost a standalone comic uh, in and of itself with a beginning, a middle, and end uh, that you can just pick up and put down of like the good old comics of yore. Uh, and this first stop is the floating city of Providentia. Now Providentia is a new jewel that has sprung up in the northwest of the kingdom. It's a city floating above the clouds, a utopia. No one who goes there wants to leave. It's a vision that uh, the rest of the kingdom is wondering, should this be the way life is? And Cameridian's like, I'm supposed to find a miracle. This looks pretty miraculous. But he's also got a ton of questions as he's going in there. Uh, how can a city fly? Uh, like, this is a medieval era uh, te technological marvel, and 
let's be honest, we don't have flying cities, really. Uh, how do you do such a thing? What does one have to give up to live amongst the clouds? Mm -hmm. uh, and even as that's going on, the people of Danisfire really need to learn more about Camradian himself. He's not from Danisfire. He is uh, from lands far, far away, and he's got no ties. People are like, who is he? Why is he here? Why He sought out this court mage position that didn't exist. Why? Mm -hmm. And so this six issues is really going to establish what Danisfire is, who Camridian and King Marcus Cairn are, and what are the problems and possibilities contained okay. Interesting, interesting. So now, for those who may not know, you mentioned a, no a graphic novella. So what is the difference between a graphic novella and, say, a trade paperback? I would say length. Uh, so Torn Soul uh, was our first project. Uh, it was 51 pages. So trade paperback generally gets to, like, 90-plus pages. Uh, this is a brisk read that still has quite a lot of meat on the bone. Good. Yeah, I, I like good meat on the bone, man. It makes me want to get in there and dig and sometimes reread stuff multiple times just to really pick it apart. Uh, so I appreciate that little euphemism there. So when you look at your work, one of the things I want to ask is you mentioned specifically like Lord of the Rings. So anytime you do Lord of the Rings, of course, my mind goes down the token rabbit hole. And so... Mm -hmm. If you look at, like, say, Tolkien's work, or you look at C.S. Lewis's work from Narnia, there is a sense of allegory. So do you feel like there's an allegorial part to your work? Do you feel like that your work is expressing the journey in life, perhaps, maybe? I don't know. I'd say it's the journey of life and also the questions of goodness. Uh, this is a question uh, I, I'm about as big and multi faceted nerd as you can meet. Uh, and it's based both in fantasy, but also in theology. So with Camridian, uh, who's got to be my favorite character to write uh, to date, I've been writing since freshman year of high school, which is far longer than I wanted to admit. Uh, but the questions that Camridian comes up with constantly is, what does it mean to enact real and lasting good in the world? Like, and it's a question that I really love that fantasy uh, is currently having to uh, figure out. Uh, Forgotten Realms and Dungeons and Dragons uh, just recently announced that there's not going to be any inherently evil races anymore. And it's, uh, it's wrestling with that problem of awareness that's going on right now. Like, you go back to the pulp uh, fantasy, just like the pulp comics of the 70s and 80s. Hey, I know who the good guy is. I know who the bad guy is. Uh, in a perfect world, good guy kills bad guy, marries good girl, and story is over. Uh, Cameronian's still taking so many of these elements, but he's like, yeah, but what's good and what's evil right now? Is good right now simply doing whatever uh, the king and the nobility tell me to do? And, or is it literally just overthrowing everything? Uh, in Torn Soul, the question is, is goodness... Uh, more what your deeds are, what the intent is, or who tells your story, a la Hamilton. Interesting, very interesting. So let's brag, let's let you brag a little bit about the team because we know no man is an island and we know that you're not doing this alone. So who are Absolutely. the other people of your team that you want to brag on? I know they're not here at the moment. Of course, we couldn't get them all on. But uh, <laughs> let, let's brag about some people. Oh, my artist would have loved to have uh, been on, but it's like four in the morning for him right now. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> He'd still be up. Uh, but uh, Evan uh, Scale, uh, or, and I'm going to butcher this, Evangelos Kitsdatis, I believe is his full name. Uh, Evan is one of the up-and-coming uh, guys in this business that you're going to know his name sooner rather than later. Uh, Evan loves doing epic fantasy. He and I have geeked out on uh, writers that we didn't think anyone else knew about. Uh, he and I met while I was putting together uh, a collection of prose short stories, and I was looking for four different artists to do black and white simple pinups. Uh, he did that, and then we uh, did anthologies. Uh, and Evan is uh, amazing. He is a digital artist, so he, uh, when you look at what's going on in Legends of the Realm, especially mm -hmm. in, that's Evan. Uh, and, oh, oh, he's the penciler. I'm like, no, he's the penciler, he's the inker, and he's the colorist. He even does the flats for uh, Floated Dream and beyond. Uh, for when you're looking at the interiors, you're looking at Evan's work. Uh, our letterer is Micah Myers, who is a seasoned veteran in uh, comics. He's worked with Image, he's worked with Dark Horse, IDW, Boom. Uh, and the guy, sometimes I'll be like, hey, Micah, I need 24 pages uh, lettered within five hours, three hours later. Here, where's my money? Wow. And, yeah. And uh, here's my quick advice to every writer here who's thinking of doing comics. Uh, if you think you can letter your own comics and save the money, you're wrong. Uh, a good letterer will cost you 10 to 12 bucks a page. And it, if it were $20, uh, $40 a page, it would be worth it. If you can't read a comic, uh, it's just an art book. It's yeah. a really Art book, uh, but it's an art book. Uh, and we've already talked about the amazing John Robinson editing. And uh, I've got three amazing uh, people helping out with covers. Uh, Rusty Gilligan, uh, who's worked for Marvel and DC uh, and worked on his own projects, inked our main cover. Jay Moores, who uh, has worked with IDW is the that covers colorist and Alana Fletcher has uh, done our uh, variant cover. Every single one of them, uh, they, uh, here's one of the things I love about uh, good comics artists. Uh, you're not giving them a lot of direction. Like uh, I'm a fancy guy that doesn't want to give six pages of descriptions just to get from one second to 15 seconds later. Uh, and it's so refreshing that I can just feel like here, something happens. And this amazing team of people is like, you mean this? I'm like, no, that's better. <laughs> that's awesome because yeah, it does become that team effort when everybody's able to chip in and really bring that thing to the forefront. That's really awesome to hear about that. Now, you mentioned, of course, that, of course, you're doing Kickstarter. Now, I don't think, I know I, I've talked with Kevin, who is kind of the mastermind behind a lot of this as far as for the people that we're talking to. And so one of the things that he talked about was, you know, really the team effort that's required in order to bring a comic book to life. Because, yeah, if you're the one-man show, you're doing the lettering. You're doing the, okay, so now I got to learn how to do that if I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it'd be a whole lot easier if somebody that already knows how to do it is doing it. And then I can trust that they're going to do it well. <laughs> but if you're the one-man show, it's hard to do that because it's like, I've got to not only have the resources, but I've got to also sit down and look at the people and what they're doing and see what works. And so it sounds like you've got a pretty good team of people around you to help you bring the vision that you have in your mind to physical form. So that way when people pick the pages up, it's all part of this collaborative story. That is absolutely true. Uh, 
it's one of the reasons why I love the comics medium is uh, writers are putting out their ideas and it's not that artists are polishing it to make it shine. It's that they are bringing their own lens here and making it something even more magnificent. Uh, like I, I continue to write prose and that is a wonderful individual experience. Uh, and I do love doing it, but comics is this amazingly uh, group effort. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned really quick uh, when it came to the comics field uh, that as the writer, you're really important. The idea doesn't get started without you uh, and everyone's drawing on your ideas, but everyone else is doing like 70 to 80% of the work mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to this, especially those interior artists, like uh, literally from an hour, hours worked uh, standpoint, I can bang out a comic script within what, two, three hours, that's a 24 page script, uh, four hours in, and your artist is maybe halfway done with page one. Uh, and that's, that's the name of the game. They're, they're putting so much of it of themselves into this. It's absolutely mind boggling, but it brings so much life. Fantasy in comics is so underutilized and yet it's so amazing in the comics medium mm -hmm. to be able to see like that first image you see on the kickstarter page the floating city of providentia i can't write that like <laughs> like that's just a fact and right. i'm not i'm not dissing my own talents there i'm just saying evan is like on that sort of level and yeah. art is like I, I went into theater at times and it was uh when it came to musical theater it was like uh when you can't speak you sing and when you can't sing you dance like once you get to that certain level of emotion mm -hmm. you have to go into another field yeah and it's it's if you think about it now i will say this to speak to the writer uh you <laughs> have to be a director Yes. You have to be able to give people something to visualize in order to make something work. Uh, you have to be able to see it from a perspective from the written word and then breathe that life into it as a writer. Now, when the artist comes in, the artist really sits out and says, okay, how can I take this written vision and bring it into a three-dimensional form on a two-dimensional piece of paper? As that's yeah. the magic that comes with it. And I mean, but that's the thing. Being a person who does write, being a person who does draw, it's a very different cadence to take. And then you've got to consider, okay, you've got your inkers who then have to go in behind the artist and make their stuff even better while at the same time, not stepping over the artist in such a way to where it's it, the artist fundamentally changed. But it's that bringing out the best in what's already there and making it even better. And then you take the letterer. Okay, so now I've got words. These people are speaking. It's not just about writing the letters. It's about position. Because certain places you don't want word balloons to go. And then other times you're wanting to leave the eye of the person reading it. I mean, there's so many pieces of tapestry in this whole thing that create, takes this work, this collaborative work, and turns it into that work of art. That you sit back and you go see the cover on the, on the you know, on the, shelf and you look at us it, like oh that's really cool let me go check this out even if it's a book you've never thought about reading before but it's that cover that brings you in and then once you start looking at the interiors and you start seeing the collaborative work that comes together to form the voltron if you will of this book absolutely voltron's a perfect metaphor on this one uh and like i look at letterers like insurance at times like uh, you don't know at times with lettering is you don't notice it until it's bad. Right. Uh, like it, and, uh, 
Golly, I just love working with John Robinson editing on this because I'll be like, I've got all these crazy ideas here and I want to talk with you about them. He's like, put this in your story Bible so I can look at it later. So <laughs> I'm like, but I've got like 10,000 years going through three separate worlds of ideas that are just spring up for me right now. And he's like, story Bible. Yep. If it's not in the story Bible, it doesn't exist. Right. If you didn't write it down, if you didn't take the time to put it down into some sort of form that other people can read, what's the point? Exactly. It's still in your head. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome that that he would he would kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Focus you. Yes. To, to he, he editor, as I feel like are the diamonds. You ever notice how light works with a diamond and how it how it will pinpoint the light to do certain things? If you don't have those diamonds to kind of bring it all together, then you can sit there and have the guy drawing all the cool pictures. You can have the person lettering and ready to go. But that editor is the one that really becomes the glue to bring it all together. So it's really neat to hear about that. So Jack, tell us about the rewards that are coming because I've heard, you know, there's other pros that are out there that people can get their access to hands on. There are other stories that they can get their hands on. So how would they go about doing that? What levels do people need to, to, to chip in on in order to get some of these awesome things? All right. Yes. Yeah. So because we've got a ton of reward tiers uh, that really uh, delve into like so many of our creative team as well. Uh, like you can get uh, the floated dream both uh, digitally and uh, in physical. And you can also get it uh, with Alana Fletcher's variant cover, uh, which will include uh, the regular cover as well. You can also get uh, Porn Soul. I, I can't show off uh, the uh, stuff for uh, the Floated Dream because the Kickstarter is getting us to that point of completion. Yep. Uh, we also have a variant for uh, Torn Soul that was from the great Tony Moy. Okay. We've also got uh, this one I really loved. Uh, as we were figuring out, writing everything down, uh, Evan and I were like, we need a map. Like, we need a map of Danis Fire because we need to be able to see everything. And so every issue, we're going to add a new piece. So people can actually uh, get reward tiers where you get a, this piece from this issue. So you'll see Providentia, and you'll see the Druidic Forest, and you'll see that area. Uh, and for every issue as we go forth, we're going to get a new uh, uh, map piece. So you're going to be able to see the entirety of Danis Fire coming, going forward. Okay. Is there going to be a scroll where they get the full map put together after a certain point? Like you'll be able to roll it out and be like, here's yep. the world. <laughs> you can hang it on your wall all together right here. And uh, Rusty Gilligan has offered not one, but two different original inks uh, because uh, we actually did an amazing crossover piece with uh, Legends of the Realm and MJ Massey's uh, The Alchemist of Aurelia, who's got a starter going on right now. So if for pe people who back both campaigns, you get this great uh, uh, digital download of Camridian, and I'm almost certainly but butchering this, Nurier. Mm -hmm. uh, and once again, really getting into that uh, crossover uh, thing that I absolutely love uh, is these two characters are doing what they love with magic. They're not fighting each other. They're using it to study and explore magic more. Okay. Rusty is selling the original inks for uh, that crossover piece. He's also selling his original inks for the cover. So if you want the inks for Legends of the Round Floated Dream cover, that's where you're going to get it. Uh, and with the add-ons, uh, this is now year five for myself as uh, an independent artist on uh, Kickstarter, independent writer. So I've got prose books like uh, 
dealing with the apocalypse, uh, which is a collection of short stories after the end of the world, Demon Riders, which is a fantasy Western, which is where I first uh, got to collaborate with Lana Fletcher on a cover, uh, Born of Magic, which Evan Scale and I met on that, uh, the two interfaith uh, comics anthologies that I edited, Why Faith and The Great Commandment, which have dozens of comics celebrating uh, questions of faith from a host of perspectives, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, atheist, agnostic, scientist, Dungeons and Dragons enthusiast. Uh, and uh, there's a nice big old reward at the uh, bottom, which is just give me everything. Uh, <laughs> like I, I'm sold, I want it, everything. And I'm really happy to the guy who's already got this. And you know what? If you like what I'm talking about here with everything I'm talking about, uh, I've been shooting this spiel for five years, uh, mm -hmm. like this sort of thing. You'll pretty much love everything going all the way back to dealing with the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I appreciate that. And talk about the rewards. The next thing I want to kind of dip into is a little bit more about you. Uh, because I know you've got things going on, so I want to talk a little bit more about what are some things that John Holder has geeked out to lately? Oh my word, there's it. Well, I gotta ask this doesn't this feel like an amazing time to be a comics nerd and a fantasy nerd? Like, we just got through season one of Wheel of Time, uh, on, on Amazon. Amazon got Wheel of Time and they just dropped the trailer for Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's going to be second age and getting into Celebrimbor and everything over there. Meanwhile, uh, Arcane over on Netflix, uh, you made a video game, a MOBA the hottest thing on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Really uh, beautifully animated, by the way. Really beautiful artwork. Love the styling of it, man. It's oh, just... oh my God. And I, I love that release style of like bingeable. Hey, you're going to get three episodes and then just chill for a couple of weeks. Uh, and like we're watching, my wife and I right now are watching the Dota 2 Netflix uh, series. They have both Dota 2 and League of Legends. Mm -hmm. uh, Arcane's just straight up better. And it's it's not a dig on Dragon's Blood. You can just tell that uh, the guys over at Riot really were like, no, we're putting everything on this. We're getting, what was it? Uh, the Chains, no, Imagine Dragons uh, on the freaking uh, <laughs> and you fell in love with the characters. That's what I love. All of these dynamic, amazing characters. We have Star Wars right now that's blowing my mind uh, over Boba with, Fett. Yeah, Boba Fett. Fennec Shand is doing amazing. And, you know, when we put uh, my daughter to bed because she's six months old and starting to learn words. Once we're sure she's asleep, that's when my wife and I put on Peacemaker and <laughs> oh my, you would not think you would love this show as much as you did. Peacemaker is one of those shows you're just going, if you like Deadpool, yeah. DC has kind of taken that and ratcheted it up just a hair more. Like the best way to describe it, of course, John Cena being a pro wrestler. You know, The Rock one time described pro wrestlers as just taking what they naturally do and turning the volume up to 11. And I feel like this yeah. is John Cena going, can we go any higher than 11? Is there like an off switch that like we can go like 25? Is there a way to go that hard? <laughs> I'm looking at this going, so Gardens of the Galaxy was James Gunn restrained. Mm -hmm. How you, I want to rewatch Guardians uh, 1 and 2 and be like, this was you with a billion dollar budget and yet you still had to rein it in. Mm -hmm. Peacemakers where you just got to have fun. 
Yeah, the wheels are definitely off the cart with Peacemaker as opposed to Guardians. Like, I could imagine him going back to Guardians 3 and being like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I get that rated R. <laughs> you know, so the last guard. Well, and I mean, we've already heard that I'm sure that by the time we get through this Guardians movie, of course, things are going to change because I know Dave Batista has said he's not going to be able to do it past this movie. You know, because yep. it's just the musculature that he has to keep in order to be Drax. It's just crazy. He's like, I'm 55 yeah. years old, man. I can't keep doing this. <laughs> you know? First of all, props to Batista for being 55 years old and looking at Jack the Rips. I'm just saying. I, I love this. So like HBO, I watch uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver all the time. John Cena and John Oliver are uh, the exact same age, like on, born on the same day. Oh, wow. And so John Oliver is like, how? <laughs> like, yeah. this does not seem... The idea that two people can be from the same species and be John Oliver and John Cena, I'm like, I, I know. I, John Holder looks a lot more like John Oliver than John Cena. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too. Uh, uh, John Cena, of course, was on, I think it was Jay, uh, not Jay Leno, but... Uh, Oh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon. He's on Jimmy Fallon. He was talking about how the you can't see me thing came to be. He was talking about how, like, when his cousin and him were doing the rap album that WWE doesn't want to talk about anymore because they want to forget that John's in a rap. Uh, and so because, you know, it's not as kid friendly to do that now. But so he talked about how, like, his brother, his younger brother was just sitting there doing his hand in front of his head he's just got a bob into the music and John Cena's like what are you doing he's like you know it's like this is what I saw in the Tony Yayo video and he's just doing his head bob thing and John Cena's like you know what I'll do it I'll do it on TV I'll figure out a way to do it on television and his brother's sitting there going like oh you won't do it and he's just like I'll do it and he's like you know because my brother didn't realize that I would do that on TV and then he's like he's dressed I remember at this press check he's dressed as the, in the Peacemaker outfit the whole time and so he's going, because my brother didn't think about the fact I would do this on television. <laughs> so, of course, he gets out there and he's trying to figure out how to do it. He's like, well, I can't just do this because it's not going to make sense. So what if I wave my hand in front of my face instead? And that's how the you can't see me thing came to be. It's literally a dare from his brother. Like, I got into watching pro wrestling recently, like, and that's one of the few nerd dumbs that my family, of course, is like, really? Like, you're into comics, great, to all that pro wrestling. I'm like, yes, and I have gotten into this enough that I'm now more AEW than WWE right now. I understand. I understand like, the difference. Uh, my podcast co-host, when we get on the podcast co-host, we talk a lot about the differences between AEW versus WWE and kind of the difference in storyline, plot plot-driven stuff to get to a point A to point B versus character-driven stuff. And so a lot of times you get to see the differences between the two. And I think it's really intriguing how AEW tends to be a lot more character-focused. Whereas with WWE, it's like, okay, we got to get to this next pay-per-view. What's the storyline going to be to get to this point to this point? And so it's, you know, straight lines. And you can actually see, like, how that suffers a little bit more. Like, in my writing, uh, it's got to be character first. Uh, I think it was uh, Aristotle that said plot first, character second when it came to importance. And then uh, was reading that in a theater class and every theater major was like, that's stupid because uh, a plot without characters is literally just a reading. Mm -hmm. And if there's no soul, there's no passion in there, there's no... If there's no characters, there's no stakes. And yeah. I, I see that now with uh, WWE. I see that at times with uh, Marvel and DC and uh, the comics world where it's like we're trying to get to point A to point B mm -hmm. and mash my characters into where that fits. Yep. We're trying to get to the next event. We're not really worried exactly. about how the characters feel coming out of it. We're just more concerned about trying to get to this next big thing. Exactly. I'm like, no. Uh, events don't shape characters. Characters shape events. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, I think about the movie Encanto, which I just recently watched. 
And I was oh, like, oh my gosh, these characters are so interesting. Like, why do I care about this girl who can pick up stuff? Oh, wait, she's got anxiety and she's sitting there worried about the fact that she may end up not being able to support the weight of the world that they keep throwing on top of her. And the town depends on her and she doesn't know if she can handle all the pressure that comes with that. Or, you know, the girl that feels like she's got to be perfect in every sense of the word. And if she's not, what happens? And then, you know, you got all these different layers to these characters because I care about the characters, I'm willing to go on this journey that they're on. Exactly. In, in Kanto, like, watching that with so many members of the family, it was so, so great. Uh, and first off, it's a beautiful film. Colorful, enchanting, uh, pun completely intended. Uh, the music is sublime. And the message about family, uh, I don't want to spoil it because I think it's been out for like less than a month. So I want don't I don't want to spoil that too much, but it's so engaging. Uh, listen to the album because of course it's Lynn Manuel Miranda. It's amazing yep. on that regard. By the way, I do believe um it's either we don't talk about Bruno or yes. it's the other, it's the dripping pressure song has become it's the Bruno. number one selling like all time great hit. Like it beat Let It Go as far How as- How do you the, beat Let It Go with we don't talk about Bruno? Because like, obviously we not talking to us not talking about Bruno is more important because people feel like that he, it, like th there is almost a sermon in that song about the concept of people sitting down and looking at consequences driven lifestyles and then mm -hmm. people calling it out and then you blame the person calling it out instead of blaming us for doing the thing that's causing us to get there you know now we understand that you know bruno apparently can see the future because they talk about it in the song again not really a spoiler it's it's all over the, it's if you've watched oh, yeah. tiktok in the last six months <laughs> it's all over the place yeah. <laughs> but uh it's the thing about that consequences lifestyle. It's like, if you do certain things, certain things can come through like this. Like one of the people say, you know, well, I, he told me one day I'd get fat and then I did. Well, you know, it, him telling you you were going to get fat had nothing to do with the final result. Like that could have been a change on you to say, well, wait a minute, maybe I am doing something horrible to my body. Maybe I do need to start eating differently. But if I don't, maybe that's what's going to become the factor. You know, but instead, it's, we just blame Bruno because that's easier. Exactly. Oh, and Surface Pressure definitely is my favorite song from uh, that one. And Louisa, Louisa Merch is apparently, uh, they've run out of Louisa. Yeah. Did you know they, that Louisa, yeah. they almost changed Louisa's design because they did not want to portray her as a muscular, big-bodied woman. They wanted her to be Disney princess dimensions. And they were like, no, we need her to look like this because that's part of who the character is. It's that physical exterior of being strong that people can depend on, but the internals is what we need to work with. We've got to give that physical contrast between her looking powerful and strong, but yet feeling inferior. And I... I don't understand big companies that have to keep relearning these lessons. Like Disney owns Star Wars and they were the ones that had to clap back when all the haters were like, I don't know that this is Phasma. I don't know that this is a female stormtrooper because the armor isn't feminine to which the armor designer was like, it's armor. Right. Which is funny because we got the exact opposite in the Mandalorian. If you'll remember the crazy fight on the other side of, oh my gosh, they have breastplates that look like actual female breasts. That wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> so it's almost like we got the opposite side of that by the time there. But I do want to, I, I, this is one of those conversations we could have for a long time. And I know you got things you got to oh, yeah. do. And I want to be responsible and respectful for that time. So here's what I'm going to ask. I need you to tell the people where they can find this campaign, how long it's got, to promote everything like that. So that way we can make sure to get people in on it. So that way we can have them, you know, get in there and support it at whatever level they choose to. So that that way they can continue to get this great story that you're putting out there. 
Absolutely. So we've got about eight days to go on uh, this campaign. Uh, the easiest link is inked.pub slash legends. Uh, and that'll take you to the campaign. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Jack Holder AI. Uh, we just have eight days left to go for Legends of the Realm, uh, The Floated Dream. And we have, we're getting close to it, uh, but we definitely want people backing because we want to be able to, uh, my tagline is, I want to be able to make The Floated Dream a reality. Mm -hmm. Most definitely, I appreciate that. And so, yes, we'll make sure to get those links in the show notes and everything, and make sure people can go there and get right in on it while the getting is good. Uh, Jack, I thank you so much for coming on this episode with me and talking with me about your Kickstarter and sharing with me how Legends of the Realms for you is not just a story to be told, but it's part of something bigger that you're going to continue to tell that you've been working on for a long time. And even when you walked into that comic book store that day, not realizing that years later you'd be here, uh, I, for one, am thankful that you're putting this story out there because I believe it's really cool to see fantasy stories continue to be told and to express the idea of goodness in the world and how you can impact the world through that. So it's really neat. And I appreciate you doing that. Well, thank you so much. And once again, Will, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, when we, uh, the major thing for a writer uh, when you're turning pro is uh, the best thing that you can uh, have for a story is for someone else to read it. And just being able to, tell a story that other people will hear is uh, the greatest feeling in the world. So okay. thank you for providing that platform. Not a problem at all. Listen, above all else, guys, as always, I try to encourage you. We've just had this conversation. Me and Jack Holder have been talking about Legends of the Realm and everything, and th that whole story and the Kickstarter world and all that different stuff. So I greatly appreciate you joining us for this conversation. And above all else, guys, do me a favor. Be blessed to be a blessing to somebody, guys. Take care.